0: welcome to North Star where we lead people to follow Jesus Christ and not simply go to church but be the church the following message is by Jeff Noble lead pastor and teacher at our campus in Blacksburg, Virginia you can learn more about North Star by clicking on our website northstarfamily.org thanks again and we look forward to seeing you next time at North Star Church So as you're turning your chairs back around and you're getting settled, um, let me tell you a little bit about where the next couple of three weeks will be going, just so that you'll be able to drop this morning into a good context for where we are in our Measurably More series. Okay, so our Measurably More series is based on Ephesians chapter 3, 23-21. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To Him being glory in the church through Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. And this is our building campaign series. But our leadership team, as we looked at our project that's in front of us, um, we didn't want to go through a series that we just spent four or five weeks talking about stewardship and finances and things like that, gearing up for a big commitment day that way. Our conviction was simply this, that if, if God would bless us and if God would renew us in such a way that we find all of our contentment and our relationships with Jesus, then the things that we cling to would simply be released. When we seek to cling to control or when we put our families in wrong priorities before our relationship with God or our careers or our ambitions or our possessions, we really believe our heartfelt conviction is just this, that if, if we will be renewed in our relationship with Jesus Christ, then we will never have to beg for money. Because God's people, out of a spontaneous thanksgiving, generosity should well up out of that. So that's our theological conviction, and that's why we've been proceeding through our series in this way. We talked about immeasurably more love, and last week we talked about immeasurably more hope, and this week we're going to talk about immeasurably more grace. The next Sunday we're going to take a quick break, and next Sunday we're kicking all of our members out of our church. We're just done with them. And what we do is we have a covenant membership church at North Star. And what that means is once a year in October, we wipe our membership clean. And we ask our membership to re-sign their membership covenants and to turn those back in. And so next Sunday, our members will have an opportunity to rejoin North Star for another year. And the reason that we do that is we want membership in this body of Christ to mean something. We don't want people's names just to be on a roll somewhere. We want people to understand what you're getting into. That's why there's a Discovering North Star class going on right now in the library. Every person that joins our church goes through our class where we can communicate our vision as a church and we can explain to them what we mean by be the church. We do not like attenders who are Christians very much here. Now, I say that with kind of tongue-in-cheek, all right? But what I simply mean is that if you're not a Christian... You are free to attend as long as you want because we want you to know Jesus. But if you're a Christian and you've made this your church, but you've not joined yet, we're asking people to consider joining. And then we have the caveat is that you only join for a year anyway. It's not like your name is going to be on a roll forever. But we do that because we want to communicate to our members, hey, being a part of this church means that we're on mission together. We don't just come, sit, and soak, but we serve, and we share, and we tell others about the glory of God. And so next Sunday is Covenant Renewal Sunday, and you'll hear a message just about the importance of what belonging to the local church means. Then we'll pick back up with immeasurably more contentment, which will be our last sermon of the series. And the last Sunday of this month is Virginia Tech's Homecoming. So we're calling it our commitment Sunday, our homecoming Sunday. And yes, on that Sunday, we are asking you to bring a commitment, whether it's in the form of your financial commitment over three years, or whether it's the form of a service commitment, like I want to serve in the church, or I want to serve in this ministry, or maybe it's a personal spiritual commitment that says, you know, I've never read the Bible through. And over the course of this next year, I'm going to read through the Bible. Or it could be what whatever God is leading you to do, but it's Commitment Sunday, and so in the, in the next couple of weeks, you'll be seeing our Commitment card. So let me kind of show you the front and back of that. Our Commitment card will look a lot like this. It will look just like this, actually, not a lot like this. But uh, on the front of it, you'll be able to put your name and address and your city and all that kind of good stuff. But it just says, Rejoicing in our immeasurably more God and in view of His gracious gifts to us, I earnestly commit in the following ways. And then you have a number of different ways that you can express your commitment or you can even write on there something else that God is leading you to, to do. And then on the back of it, looks like this. So it says, the Measurably More campaign of North Star is a three-year commitment. We trust that you will discover God's gracious provision that enables you to fulfill what you commit to Him. And we wanted to make a note just to remind you who have been through our Measurably More series, remember Only when we find our contentment in him can we joyfully release our grasp on what we cling to for security. Over there on the right, you can see the the chart is simply, some of you have never given to a church before. And maybe your commitment is simply to start somewhere. And others of you are occasional givers. Some of you are intentional givers, like you're consistently giving a portion of percentage that you've set aside uh, and then all the way up to extravagant givers. Some of you have discovered that you just can't outgive God. And over the course of your life, you've just been amazed at how much God has allowed you to give away. And then there's the practicals of what your commitment will look like on the bottom of that. And so we'll be releasing that card in the next couple of weeks for you to have. And you'll bring that card with you on Sunday, October 25th. And we'll collect those cards. And then we're going to be mailing those cards out to as many of our North Star alumni as we can possibly find addresses for. And then on November the 8th, so there'll be a two-week interim, on November the 8th, we'll come back as a church and we'll celebrate and we'll praise God for the commitments of His people and we'll announce what people have committed to and what the totals are financially for the building campaign. And that will help us know exactly at that point what kind of timeline we may be looking for for the project or if the project needs to be revised and revamped. We couldn't be more excited for one thing, and that's this if we only raise $500 out of this, but we have a host of people who have found their contentment in Jesus, then we will have been successful. Because it really is our conviction that until you find your contentment and your peace and your faith in Christ, everything else is just air. Everything else makes no difference whatsoever. So if you walk out of here and you hear someone out in the community saying, oh, North Star's going through a building campaign and they're just trying to get money, can you just please punch them in the throat? <laughs> in Jesus' love, of course. And will you ex- please help explain to them what the heart and the soul and the meaning behind what we're trying to do is all about? Because um, we really believe that. We don't want to build just a church building. We want to build a community center. We want to build a ministry center that's going to bless not just us, but will bless campuses, our community, companies, people in, our, in the New River Valley. So if you will, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It may be a strange place to begin a message about grace, but I want to show you something here. And I just want to make a point about it. That was a beautiful sneeze. That was amazing. I loved it. It was very cute. I appreciate that. Wow. I like the end of it. That was good. Thank you for that. Sorry for calling you out there, but it was nice. All right. So Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Here's what I want you just to simply notice. This is a very famous passage. You'll see it not just in Scripture, but you'll see it mentioned in in literature classes. In the beginning. In the beginning. What I want you to notice is that God took initiative. And I want you to notice that God didn't have to. There was nothing on God's agenda that says, oh, I have to create today. He chose to. And the beautiful thing about that is this is the earliest and the best demonstration of grace in Scripture. Grace is a willful act by a supreme person or someone in more authority than you giving you something that you didn't deserve or that you could not achieve for yourself. And we are all in this room today because in the beginning God created. What an incredible reality. And we can look around at our world and we can see all of its complications and we can see its technologies and its systems and its philosophies and we just realize that None of that was here. The earth was formless and void. And God chose to speak life. And the other thing that I want you to notice is that God's grace results in His creativity. And God created man and woman, and He put them in a beautiful garden, and He wanted them to express their creativity, wanted them to tend the garden to make it a beautiful place. So wherever we see grace, we also see creativity throughout the scriptures. And that's why at the end of the message today, we're going to dismiss you into the cafeteria. And parents, first of all, go get your kids and take them with you because they're going to love to show you what they've drawn. But there are more than 60 works of art out here is that today we wanted to celebrate stu artship. ship We wanted to celebrate God's creativity and God's grace through some of our members' and attenders' works of art, some of our children's works of art. And so some of it over there is for you to buy, but most of it is for you to bid on. Because it'd be a shame for you to come in and like wipe out the inventory and the 11 o'clock service just gonna go womp, womp. There's nothing here. But our reason for doing so is there were some of our people that said they wanted to participate in our immeasurably more campaign, but maybe some of their funds are limited. And so this has been an incredible way for them to create something, and all the proceeds today go to the immeasurably more campaign. Some of our children are going to be able to say, because of what I drew, because of what I made, North Star's Future Ministry Center exists because a portion of what I was able to give to the Lord has been used to go into that facility. So we see God's grace on display, and as a result of God's grace, his creativity. I don't think it's an accident that John begins his gospel in the same way. So flip from Genesis chapter 1 to John chapter 1, and let's see a really clear connection here between God's Grace and God's creativity. But let's see it in an amazing way. John chapter 1, verse 1. First three words sounds familiar, don't it? In the beginning. It's the New Testament version of Genesis because of who Jesus is. John the Apostle wanted to make really clear that God is doing a new work of creation. He's creating not just a world to display his creativity in, but through Jesus, God is creating a people to display his creativity in. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. All things were made through him. I think that's important to understand is that Jesus is the agent, the source, the power, the inspiration behind all of creation. It says, Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And John's not talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. He came as a witness. To bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Why you just reflect on that for a moment? The boundless grace of God the Father that in his creativity, would send his son by whom and through whom we were all created and yet because of God's grace, even when the world did not know who Jesus was, God still led his son to a cross and in spite of his rejection, he offers us salvation. What amazing full of grace and truth. And there's a parenthetical comment. It says, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And then notice this. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It is grace that God offers us forgiveness in Jesus. It's grace in the way he offers us forgiveness by sending his only son to be a perfect sacrifice for us to a people who did not deserve it and to a people that could not earn it. So God's creativity really is an expression of his grace and the amazing thing is god delights to create it's part of his character to create to demonstrate grace many of you probably have 2 corinthians 5:17 memorized but it says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away Behold, the new has come. God loves to create because it is his grace. He did not have to save me, and he did not have to save you. There was nothing that I or you could do to convince the Father to forgive us because our sin was such an affront against His holiness. Jesus tries to communicate the radical act of forgiveness by the Father through a parable in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 18, and you can read it on your own later, but Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23, He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and He says, there is a servant who owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, if you do the math and you round up and you figure out what would that mean in today's economy, you want to know what the ticket item looks like on owing someone 10,000 talents? About $6 billion. So the king calls the servant in and demands him to be paid back. And the servant falls at his feet, begs, For forgiveness begs for the debt to be forgiven because there's just no way he will ever be able to repay this debt. And as Jesus is telling the parable, the king, in his grace, because he chooses to, not because the man manipulates him and not because the man is ever going to be able to pay him back, but the king chooses to forgive, to release And the servant walks out debt-free. But that's not the rest of the story. He walks out into the street and he sees someone that owes him $100. A very minimal debt. And whatever's going on in the servant's mind, you'll have an opportunity to talk about that in your small groups this week as you discuss the message. But whatever's going on in the servant's mind, he looks at this guy that owes him minimal debt and he demands immediate payment. And the guy says, well, I can't pay you. I don't have it right now. And the servant has this other guy thrown into jail. The king hears about it. He brings the servant back in and says, did this happen? Yeah, it did. And he ends up throwing the first servant into jail until he is able to repay his debt. I think that the wicked servant couldn't forgive because he couldn't release. And I think he didn't understand how much he'd been graced. I think he was so delighted in being debt-free, he, realized, he didn't realize that someone had made him that way. And I think that's probably the position of many of us in here this morning. Is you do not yet realize how much you have been graced by God. How much you've been given by God. To the extent that you are frustrated, worried, depressed, upset, to that extent you may not realize the grace of God in your life. I'm not saying that we should be happy-go-lucky, praise-Jesus type of Christians all the time. We are going to encounter hardship, suffering, persecution, and even martyrdom. Who would have ever thought that Christians on United States soil would be martyred for their faith? We will experience that. Jesus promised us that we would have persecution in this world. But to the extent that we live our lives selfishly, consumed with our own little spheres, to that extent we have not understood God's grace and what we have been forgiven When we seek to be owners of our things, and our relationships, and our talents, and our time, it reveals that we don't understand that everything that we have and are is an act of grace on God's behalf. He calls us to be stewards of everything and not owners of anything. One of the convictions that Carol and I have as parents is that Sam and Adeline are not ours. They're God's. And we have had the incredible privilege of raising them to send back out as God's into a world that needs so desperately people that love Him and cherish Him. But your car is not yours. Your checkbook balance is not yours. And can I just get really personal? Your retirement is not yours. It's wise, but it also doesn't belong to you. Everything that we have has been graced to us. The interesting thing is, Paul, there's not a clearer passage on giving and a clearer passage on grace than what you find in 2 Corinthians. And if you'll just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, and hold your finger there for a moment. And we'll get to it. But Paul the Apostle, he's writing to the Corinthian church with joyful confidence. And here's his... Thesis, if you will. If the Corinthian Christians will choose to be creatively generous, they will experience God's abundance. That's his thesis. If you guys will be creatively generous, you will experience God's abundance. He could have written to the church at Corinth, and demanded them to give a certain amount because of his authority as an apostle of Jesus. He didn't do that. That's not how he motivated people. The amazing thing is he didn't say, I'm an apostle, and so this is your duty to me and to Christ, or God will punish you if you don't do this. And he also doesn't tell them about, hey, the poor are suffering so much, and we need to provide help for those who are down and out, and you need to mobilize yourself around causes. He, he didn't motivate the Christians that way in Corinth. Rather, this is how he motivated them. This is his, his premise in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So Paul's motivation was essentially don't look at the poor and don't look at the needs of the church and don't look at any other thing when you start thinking about generosity. Rather, look at the grace of of God. Look at how much God loves you. Look at how much hope we have in God. Look at the grace of God. He says, For you know the grace of God. And that is where he begins. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 15, he continues the whole train of thought. First of all, grounding it in God's creative, abundant, mind-shattering grace. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And that's one of those principles that as a church we founded the whole series on is that our motivation is not to guilt people into giving and not to cast this great vision and say, give to this vision. But our motivation really has been to remind us to, hey, let's look at the grace of God. Let's anchor everything that we will be doing back into the character of Jesus Christ. So it says, you must give as you've decided in your heart. God loves a cheerful giver. And then God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. So let me just put one point up for you on the screen. Abundant grace... Means abundant good works for us. You see that when he says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency at all times, at all things, you may abound in every good work. When God expresses his grace to us, when he blesses us, when he chooses to love us, it is so that we can do good works so that we can release. And then it says, As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So the next thought is simply this. God supplies... And God multiplies. God is the source of our life. He's the source of our breath. He's the source of our laughter. He's the source of our strength. He's the source of all. God supplies everything that we have. Why would we ever attempt to convince ourselves that our children are ours? that our houses are ours, that our intellect is because we've worked hard to improve our education, that our skills are ours. God supplies, and when we use what God supplies for others' blessing and for God's glory, God multiplies. Can you think of one really clear story in the New Testament? where God took what someone had given, as small as it was, and multiplied it. Can we say fish and bread together? In that one act, God was trying to send a lesson to every Christian that ever breathes. Bring me your all, and I will multiply it for the nations. I will astonish you with what you give me back. And when you release yourself into my hands, not your possessions, not your time, not your talents, not your kids, but when you release yourself in full surrender into the love of Christ, he multiplies you. He makes you more than you ever dreamed you would be. And he transforms you into the image of his son Jesus. He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So another point is simply this, is that abundant harvest demonstrates the abundant creativity of God. You may say, what does that mean? It just means that, When we bring to God, like Paul is encouraging the Christians in Corinth, when they brought to God an offering that they were giving out of a cheerful heart, God multiplies that. He blesses people through it, and it does far more than what they could ever ask or imagine. And as a result, there's this harvest of righteousness. And the way God chooses to do all this is incredibly creative. How creative is it to be at a wedding and for someone to run out of wine? And Jesus be motivated by his mom, and my moms motivate us to do a lot, but Jesus looks around and creatively changes water into the best wine of the weekend. How creative is it that He's confronted by the Pharisees and says, Do your disciples not pay taxes? And he tells Peter to go fishing and he says, Go fishing and then pay them out of what you get. And Peter pulls a coin out of a fish's mouth in the exact amount that they owe for the taxes for the temple tax. Our God is incredibly creative, He delights in astonishing us with His creativity. Will you not trust Him today with who you are, with what you have, with your relationships, with your time? Will you not believe afresh in the grace of God that would take what you offer Him and multiply it significantly? For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. It says, God enriches us so that we can bless. That would be the next point. God enriches us that we can bless others. And then it says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission That comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you. And get this, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. In other words, when we're generous, people realize that we're generous because we've been graced. A generous Christian reveals a Christian that knows and is confident in the gospel of God. So the next thought is simply this. Abundant generosity reveals deep belief in the gospel. I think the opposite could also be true. If we are not abundantly generous, it may reveal that we disbelieve the gospel. Another thought is simply abundant submission is the key for joyful contentment. Oh, we don't like that word. Some families have the S word in their home. Our S word in our home growing up was shut up. You don't say shut up to your brother or your sister, especially to your mom or your dad. Your S word may be different. But our culture's S word is submission. And if you're going to be a follower of Christ, that S-word is inscribed on your minds and your souls. If you will not submit to God, you will not experience His abundant grace. Isn't that exactly how we get into salvation to begin with? Is we submit to the authority of God when we confess our sins? And we repent, and we ask him to come into our life. We have nothing to offer him. It's just coming before him. When we do that, we find our contentment. It's hard to submit, but the contentment that flows from submission will water your soul for the rest of your life. And that's where we're going as a church, when we wrap up the series and we preach about immeasurably more contentment. That's what we'll harp on. That's what we'll park in. And then lastly, when we give out of God's grace, realizing that his creativity has motivated, or his grace has motivated his creativity, when we give, God gets abundant glory. I love what it says here is that because you've given and you've supplied the needs of the saints, it's overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And he concludes, he says, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. When we give, when we understand how much God has graced us, when we release, we experience such contentment and God gets such glory. So our last slide is essentially this. You've probably seen this before, but if you want to know a simple definition of grace, this is not mine. This has been around a long time, but it's just God's riches at Christ's expense. Because God loved the world so much, he sent his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And God lavishes his love on us. That's His story, and his story has become our story. For any person that has grasped grace and has understood that you are only who you are today because of grace, everything has changed. So in just a few moments, we're going to dismiss you over to look at the art and appreciate it. Parents, you'll be picking up your kids, but I'm not a painter I can draw Snoopy, that's about it. Didn't think any of you would bid on that. But what I can do occasionally is, it's not great, it's not like quality stuff, but I can make an occasional video. And so I wanted to make a video as my artship offering. And I just wanna show you this today because the song that plays in the video essentially is about us grasping grace and what happens when a bunch of people grasp grace. What I attempted to do was find a picture of every member of North Star, and it was impossible. So if you've been left out, forgive me for that. But I do hope that you'll be encouraged. So grace is our story, and we must tell it. So I hope that you'll be encouraged this week to tell someone what Jesus has done for you. Welcome to North Star, where we lead people to follow Jesus Christ and not simply go to church, but be the church. The following message is by Jeff Noble, lead pastor and teacher at our campus in Blacksburg, Virginia. You can learn more about North Star by clicking on our website, northstarfamily.org. Thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you next time at North Star Church.